And we're back with another Black Window Cream podcast. I'm your fucking host, Ben Haggerty, a.k.a. Ben Reverse World. You're probably wondering what Black Window Cream stands for. Black Window Cream is a content creator group fueled by caffeine, or at least I take my coffee black with no cream, but you can drink or not drink whatever caffeine you fuck with and still be part of our group. We are a private group on Facebook open to content creators of all kinds, a.k.a. if you make videos, if you're a photographer, if you do marketing, management, editing, dancing, etc., 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 all creators are welcome. Our private group has been growing rapidly. We have a shit ton of members working together by sharing content, asking for feedback, passing tips and tricks along to one another with the goal of pushing each other to be the best motherfucking content creators on earth. And you can join our group if you want to by going to blackwindowcream.com slash join. We would love to fucking have you. Please join. On episode four, I have my dog Jake Mioski on the podcast. Jake is Chris Brown's personal photographer, social manager, and pretty much a wizard in general. I love this episode not only because Jake's story as a whole is fucking crazy, but because we dive into how hard work no days off, and dedication can truly pay off. If you think your goals will happen overnight, you are fucking crazy. And Jake is a prime example of what it takes to give your all, invest into your career, and most importantly, to never give up. So this is dope because I've had Jake on my list of people I wanted to interview since I started this podcast, um, which I knew would be difficult because he lives in Australia, which is part of his crazy story. But he had flown to America just a couple days ago for Chris's latest album release party on Halloween. He actually had me come out to shoot a recap video for that, and we were able to record this the day after before he headed back home. I do want to apologize in advance because I ha- I've made a fucking crazy mistake. We were recording, and like in the middle of the interview, I had looked down, and I realized my program had stopped recording and so I had to make Jake re-say some shit. We missed like 15 or 20 minutes of content. But he did a good job recapping what he had said. I'm an amateur podcaster. I should be laid to rest. I'm fucking sorry. But if you're interested in supporting Black Window Cream, please go to blackwindowcream.com slash merch. We have hats, shirts, stickers, pins, all kinds of shit. It's all available in the store. Every time you buy something, I write a personal little note to you thanking you because I fucking care. I appreciate anyone who picks up some merch. I think it's cool how many people have copped uh, like the gear so far. I've sent packages to Europe and Australia and all over the U.S., some other cool places I can't think of right now. So thank you guys for supporting. I really fuck with you. If you don't have the funds, I totally get it. I'll try to give away some discount codes in the future and whatnot. Um, there is another way that you can support Black Window Cream. Go to iTunes and leave me a review. I would love to hear your thoughts, any suggestions on how I can do this podcast better, what you like about the podcast so far. Let other people that might be interested in listening to this know why they should hear it. Because I think there's a lot of insight in here and a lot of helpful tools and shit. So, yeah. So, if you could do that, that'd be dope. Also, share it with your friends. That'd be dope, too. Let them know that there's a new episode coming out every Sunday. I want to point something out. I'm so disappointed at all of the listeners because during last week's episode, I created a contest that would give one lucky winner a free shirt. And all you had to do was leave a review on iTunes, including the hashtag BWNCForever. And nobody did it. I mean, people left reviews. There's just no one putting the hashtag BWNC forever. That's all you had to do. You get a free shirt. So I'm going to extend this contest to next Sunday. I hope you guys are hearing me say this. If anyone wants to enter, you know the drill. Leave a creative review with the BWNC forever hashtag, and you get yourself a free Black Widow Cream shirt. You guys are fucking crazy for not entering that shit. All right, that's it. Uh, Enjoy this week. Keep creating. 
And without any further ado, I bring to you my interview with Jake and the most epic podcast intro ever created. Right, motherfucking now! Attention. If you stop this podcast recording at any time, you will die. I don't want to die. Do you want to live? You have 24 hours to share this podcast with five people or you will die. I'm kidding. You won't die. You're just weak shit for not sharing. And the winner of the best motherfucking podcast goes to... Black with no cream. What do you think? It's so fucking dumb and so fucking Ben Haggerty. I knew you would say that. Alright, motherfuckers, I'm here with my homie Jake Mayaski. <laughs> I just up? I just learned how to say his name because this whole time I thought your name was Jake Mimosage. Yeah, no. Sorry about that. That's alright, bro. So this is cool because Jake lives in Australia. You can tell by the tone of his voice, the way he pronunciates his fucking words and shit. Uh but he's in America. He's in LA right now. And he decided to hop on the Black Window Cream podcast. So I'm excited for that. Jake is Chris Brown's photographer. Um not just that, but you run, a, you do a lot of stuff for Chris, don't you? Yeah, pretty much the whole digital aspect of his brand, I guess, I take care of. Website, um, some social stuff. Mm-hmm, pretty much all that, that stuff as well. So kind of try and keep it all in one roof. You know, if we can do everything, you know, by ourselves, not have to rely on anybody else, it's just easier. Right. So, so um, yeah, so me and Jake met, uh, I would say it was like right when I moved to LA. So this is about two years ago, mm-hmm. I think. It was um, a video set, wasn't it? Yeah, it was on. We were on set of. Um, I don't remember. One of Chris Brown's music videos. Damn, what was it? It was Liquor and Zero. That's what it was. And you yeah. took pictures from behind. Yeah. I, I took a that. picture of you taking a picture. All right. Because. And I, and I still love that picture to this day. Yeah, because I know yeah. how it is as a BTS guy. No mm-hmm. one's ever taken BTS of the BTS. You yep. feel me? That was the first BTS photo of me taking BTS that I've ever had in my life. See, I think differently, you know? Really? <laughs> I don't Shit. know. I was just thinking, for, like, yeah. what would I want? You know what I mean? Yeah. Everyone's like, hey, get a picture of me on set because I always want to be cool and shit. Yeah, no. No one ever takes a picture of you with, like, the artist or you doing your yeah. job. Yeah. And see, I never cared about it. I never really No, but you liked the picture, right? Yeah, it was, it was cool. Yeah, just, it was weird just to sort of, like, physically see something like that. Like, it wasn't a dream sort of thing. That <laughs> was actually... It was tangible. So. I'll post the picture in uh, the show notes. But um, yeah, so we met there. We were shooting. He was he. So he's Chris's photographer. He's flying into the states and working with Chris on tours. You're here for a lot of shit. Anything Chris related, he's here. And so we were on set for this music video. It was one of my first music videos being on set. I was doing behind the scenes for it, which came out on MTV. I think I don't know if it ever came out on YouTube or anything. But mm, I don't know. So that came out. Um, but that's where I met you. And you're like, yeah, mate, I'm Chris's photographer or whatever. And <laughs> just, I was like, just like that. Too. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> and so we uh, became buds and shit. But I've seen you and I saw you again then on Chris's tour in Kansas. We came there and you were there. That's right. Yeah. And you just looked exhausted. Absolutely destroyed. It's probably and, the better way to describe it. And the tour hadn't it. even started. You no. were just like the pre tour shit and mm-hmm. you were already bags under your eyes. Yeah. Um, but before we get into all that shit, I want to. What I like to do is dive into the, your early stages of creativity. Mm-hmm. So, being in Australia, where are you at from in, in Australia? So, I'm from a place called Newcastle, um, which is, for anybody who doesn't really know Australia that well, it's two hours from Sydney. Um, it's, a, it's a place that has a lot of really nice beaches, but if you go 20 minutes, 30 minutes inland, you get farms, which is where I grew up. So, mm. I grew up technically in a place called Seam, which has you know, lots of acreage and stuff. So we have, you know, cows, chickens, alpacas, all sorts of things. So I grew up there 
you know, helping my parents farm and you know, do that sort of stuff. And uh, it was quite a quite a sheltered, interesting young part of my life where I, you know, didn't get to see or do much, but it sort of helped, I think, um, start my creativity by me kind of being isolated. It was good to, you know, look for different things on the internet. I was lucky to have the internet, obviously, because then I had access to other parts of the world and different things like that. But um, How old are you? 26. 26. Mm-hmm. They have dial-up out there? How the fuck bro, did you get on the internet? Bro, I um, went outside and went, cooey. And, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, we had, we, have, we had dial-up. It was pretty bad. But then eventually it's, it's gotten better. But um, I still was able to, to surf the internet. And, you know, I'd, I'd still go to my local store and buy N1 mixtapes and mm-hmm. go to school and try and cross people over. And, That's uh, tight. And try and bring the American culture to my, my little farm. What what kind of music were you into at, like, you know, junior high? Or I guess, how, I don't know how the school system works with it, but you have junior high, high school, it's, college? It's, uh, we, have primary, we have primary school, which is kindergarten to year six. Okay. And then we go to high school from year seven to 12. Okay, we're so, And we don't call them, um, what do you guys call it, like senior year? We just yeah, say yeah. year seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. Okay. So, yeah. But that would be like... Our high school, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. so you're like 18 by the time you get done with mm-hmm. 12. Yep, whatever. Yep. So at that earlier age, what if you're searching the internet and finding your music and and the things that you're into, mm-hmm. what kind of music are you getting into? Being over the ocean, you're trying to grab gravitate towards American music. Hundred percent, just hip hop and R and B. It was right out yep. that, right out the straight gate. out, straight out. Since I was about, you know, like kind of when I was about 12 or 13, I was like the Michael Jackson phase, which then pushed me into more hip hop stuff. You know, like I was listening to KRS-One, um, then I'd, you know, I'd get into Tupac and Biggie and all that sort of stuff, and then it would progressively get into, you know, like Ludacris Nelly as at the times went on and stuff like that. So I considered myself, where we were, a bit of a hip-hop head because everybody else was listening to rock music and right. metal, and I was sort of, I wouldn't say I was an outcast, but people would probably come to me to ask me questions about hip-hop. And even though I didn't think I was very knowledgeable on it, I probably was to these people at school who were listening to Marilyn Manson. So That's so tight. So you're out in the middle of the fucking cornfields or, yeah. or farm fields. Yeah, the farm. That's funny from me growing up in Iowa, being very close to farming too. Mm. You're in this like weird place because there's no urban anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it was all rock for me growing up. So it was weird being in punk and rock music and shit, but always having hip hop influence because my friends would just burn it off a CD. But we had no, you know, there was no real access to shit Mm. ever, but that's really interesting. So then as in school, what were you doing that kind of pushed you into creativity? Especially the fact, it's interesting to me that you do photography and some video shit, but you also are doing social shit. So like, what is the early stages of that looking like? Like what, what were you working on in high or your high school um, that kind of pushed you into this lane? Did you have any teachers or anything kind of like teaching you the ways of photography and shit? I guess, when did you start photography? Well, photography, I I pretty much started when I was like 19. But going back further, I literally had no creative like classes. I had no like, I'm going to do this specific thing. I like to paint, draw. I was not into any of that stuff. But did they offer that? They did, yeah. But you I just, just I, I think it again comes back to me because because I was isolated in my room, I would watch that much TV and, and movies and stuff like that and listen to music that I... It was sort of my my room was my creative bubble. So I would create things in my head. I would dream, you know, like mm. typical, you know, I would think about moving to, you know, New York City and that sort of thing and doing bigger things than what 
I would, you know, I guess I was destined to do in Australia, you know, so which was farm. Do a lot of people, do a lot of people have aspirations like that? Thinking like, I want to get out of the city? Um, where I'm from, no, not at all. Everybody is, I'm going to be a truck driver. I'm going to be, you know, work for the council on the roads. I'm going to do, and be an accountant, you know, that, and that's what it is. And, you know, you take, you take that road, you work in the mines, you have a kid, you have a mortgage, you die. Pretty much that's, it's sad, you know, that I put it like that, but it's, it's, uh, well, it's, no, I just think that yeah. it's for a lot of people. I think right. there's either the, there's people that have this idea that there's bigger things out there yeah. and there's people that it is the biggest thing. It's a big challenge and right. they do it. Yeah. And to us, it's just an opposite thing, but mm. I think that they're both respected. Right. hundred percent. And I, I hear what you're saying. It's great. You know, it's great if, if that's what you want to do. Fantastic. Yeah. But I just, as a, as a person who constantly had my head racing all the time i couldn't subject myself to that right like being closed in mm. that sort of realm so yeah so then what you you know you're going through school what were you thinking do you do you were you planning on going to college did you go to college i went to college for a year and a half i yeah. studied communications and i was majoring in media production but i did so leave. did i yeah <laughs> i didn't Ooh. leave though i stayed bro i uh i left halfway through my degree so so okay wait before you leave mm -hmm. what in high school were you planning on that or did that just kind of fall in your lap no i just i guess i was just interested in media in general and just seeing how things were changing and how you know we were having new smartphones and, and connecting with people and and again i think it comes back to me being isolated i wanted to explore avenues of how you can communicate with people and how you know you can like lessen the gap between distances through mediums of social media and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. communications is one thing that I wanted to take on and, and, you know, doing graphic design and different things like that to try and any, any creative medium. I sort of, I started to build, I guess, build my creativity in college. Like I'd never really had, like I said, in high school, an artistic view of anything. It was more so just, I would dream it's hard to explain. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like I would, like, for example, I would go to bed and I would dream that I was Neo in the Matrix <laughs> and that I wouldn't have like any limitations. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, I'll yeah. be flying in the air and I would be, you know, going everywhere and stuff and I'd wake up and then, you know, it was back to reality. So when, when you got to college, what was it? Is it classes or what's striking some sort of creative chord inside of you that you're like, oh shit, I'm going to do this or something that might be... Not everyone's doing it. You know, mm -hmm. an average college kid does what? They get up, go to class, go out, rage, yep. miss class the next morning, repeat, 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 repeat. And then, yeah. you know, they just go through the process. But I feel like yep. it's always different for a creative kid. Well, I think the first thing that ignited me was I just did like a basic graphic design class as part of my course. And um, I started to learn different aspects about, you know, symmetry and, you know, like making sure things blended correctly and... Then I started to like, I guess, put them dreams and things I saw in my head when I was sleeping or whether I was at home and I'd try and put them into my work, which helped. I think I think the, the, the one time I kind of started to get really sort of into that sort of stuff was when I did a sound production class and mm. I was mixing like stuff. I was, yeah. that I had to do a radio show or something and I was mixing, you know, animals and, and, you know, different sorts of sound bites and stuff together. And then I had a whole mixing studio where I'll just sit there and do that so that sort of ignited a little bit of you know the fire I guess you could say because that shit's so, fun as fuck you're creating yeah. nothing out of or whatever the mm. saying is I can't speak yeah. today dude my head's all fucked up <laughs> something out of nothing right and 
I I love mixing audio, and mm. I think I I might have had an element of that too. I think when my first my first thing was done junior high creativity, mm-hmm. and I have a teacher. Her name was Miss Seymour, and I remember her making us. Did you ever make slideshows? Yeah, yeah. that was like the before video editing. Yeah, yeah, but like not even PowerPoints, just like a video. I think it was in like Movie Maker or something, and you had yeah. to like put dissolves and just make a picture go mm-hmm. into the next picture. Mine was on like September 11th. I think I did like right. my first slideshow, but I remember creating that and just being like, "Holy fucking shit!" Yeah that's my idea and that's my mood I created and yeah. I put sad song to like sad pictures and people felt that way. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's, so then what was it with yours making sounds? You're starting to discover that you like creating. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you continue to do? Cause I mean, you're only in college for a year and a half. Right. So then what's happening? So I was, um, I was still going about my, my business. I was still living at the farm. So I would drive 20 or 30 minutes to college in Newcastle, God do that. Damn and then drive back. So again, I had a social life to a degree and, you know, I was going out with my friends and partying and stuff like that, but, um, I was pretty focused on my schoolwork. My mother has a, um, master's degree. She's like very school orientated. Mm. And, um, so, you know, like I really wanted to make sure that I did that and got my degree for my mom and went really well. So, you know, I was, I was averaging good marks, which was, which was good. Um, good marks are good grades. Yeah. Good grades. Sorry. Yeah. Good grades. So same thing. Same, same. That's yeah. what we say. Home. I got yeah. you. But anyway, um, yeah. So I was, uh, I was averaging good stuff. I, <laughs> I uh, went and did a documentary for a certain class about uh, Max versus PCs. So that was my first like creative visual project that Tight. we did. So yeah, it was pretty cool. I did it with a um, with another guy in my class. Uh, I can't remember his name, but and I don't even know where the file is anymore. Damn, but, I was just gonna ask. Yeah, but we like interviewed all the. Um, the people across campus and it was quite interesting. It, it's, it was just a pretty even number amount of people that liked um, either one of the platforms. But um, yeah, that was my first kind of thing into framing and stuff like that. So, right. Um, this is before you owned your own camera? You're just doing yeah, this Yeah, this was just the, this was through the school. This is through all their equipment. Um, and at this point, I didn't even own a camera. I did right. not have a camera and I didn't even think about it. I might've had a digital one, a basic one. Right. Um, but yeah, that was, that was sort of what, to to my to the unis we call it uni two college, um, that was probably the the biggest thing I did at college in terms of visual stuff, mm. and then I I left not long after that. So. so I think a point to make um, because a lot of times kids, not kid, I, I always say kids as in I call everyone a kid. Someone made a comment about this. I just have to note this because I got mm-hmm. a DM like, hey, maybe you shouldn't call all of your listeners kids, right. and I don't mean to call them like kids as in you're young. I just think that we're all youthful as creators, yep. and I think f- until I'm 55, I'm still a kid. Like I'm creating a fucking fake world in my head, and I try to duplicate that in real life. Yep. But I think it's interesting that people um, ask questions like, is college or what'd you call it? Unis? Uni. Uni? Yeah. University. Uni. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so yeah. Gotcha. Is, is going to school important? And I sometimes say yes or no. Like for me, mm-hmm. I, I just hated school the entire time. Yep. But I did know that being at school created like a network. Mm-hmm. I was able to work with and meet people that were gonna able to get me into certain things. Yep. Um, but I like that for you, you going to college and then you end up leaving, but going to college sparked it for you. Right. And I think that's a, an important lesson because... and. To chime in, I think that mine was the opposite um, for you were saying you made connections. Mm-hmm. I made no connections in college, but I learned basic skills which helped me then evolve to the next thing. They're only basic, but they they enable me to then go home and learn everything else I needed to. Mm. 
which then helped me move to the next thing. Yeah. So I, I do think that, um, but yeah, college is definitely not essential for every single person. It just depends on how, you know, how you operate, how you move, how you learn. 100%. Um, but self-taught, so I've done both self-taught and college. Same. So it, I just think that, you know, if, if one thing fits you, then you run with it. If you, if you feel like you're growing as a person artistically and, you know, business wise, whatever, just, just run with it and keep going. So, so where, 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 what, what happens when you decide to give up on school? Why was that? Okay. So probably to come back a little bit, um, I was a big fan of R&B music, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, myself and one of my best friends at high school, his name's Jackson. He, uh, we were big fans of, of Chris Brown and Usher and all that sort of stuff. So we would listen to his music all the time religiously. Like I would go and buy the album when it came out and sit in the car and listen to it on the day of release. Right. Like, I wouldn't say an obsessed fan, but I was definitely like a, you know, an, an aware, active fan of it. So, um, in, this was when I was at college, 2010, I started a Twitter account and, you know, I was just a, just a, a fan account sort of thing, um, for, for Chris's music and stuff like that in Australia. So, um, like what Chris Brown, Australia team, really I think it was team like CB Australia was, was the handle of the, the account. So, I just, you know, constantly post his music and stuff like that and sort of get in that team breezy realm of what it was. Um, and then Chris's auntie, Christine, her name is, she actually had posted uh, that she needed street team people to help promote the upcoming album and tour. This was uh, end of 2010, I think. Okay. So uh, his fame album was coming out, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I said, hey, you know, I'm from Sydney. I emailed her and said, you know, I'd love to, to help in any way I can. I, I love the music. He's a great, great, you know, performer. Da, 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 da. She said, yep, you know, go ahead. And I started getting a team together, my friend Jackson, of course, and we'd, we'd print posters and stuff like that and put them up in the street for the album um, that sort of stuff. Uh, was this, was this, were they paying for this? No, or this, you, is, this is this just is, like mad commitment. This is volunteer stuff. But God it was, damn. again, cause I was just, I was really, you know, I was really into the, the whole music thing. I just loved R&B and. Well, and if it's making you stoked enough to like want to help them out, there's a possibility that that music needs to reach more people yeah. and you're, you're the facilitator. Yeah. You know, and like, I just, I just felt that, you know, his, Personally, like myself and my friend, we were like, he's the next Michael Jackson, you know, like we just think that he's, he's the evolution of that. So again, we're just, you know, putting up posters, doing things. And I actually found out who was bringing the promoters who were bringing him to Australia for the, for the fame tour, that part of it. So I, I contacted them and said, you know, Hey, I'm, uh, part of Chris's street team in Australia, I'd love to come and help you guys promote the tour. You know, you don't have to pay me or anything like that. I I just want to help because it would make sense that if the lines of communication would come, you know, from the US and I can help them say, you know, Chris's language would be in this way or that way. So it would be more authentic and organic for his, his fans in Australia. So, um, that was in Sydney. So I've, I've, I've spoken to the, the promoter. They said, yeah, sure. Come through. So I went and I drove to Sydney, which was two hours from Newcastle where I grew up, and uh, I went in their offices and helped them, you know, design certain things and come up with ideas. And I think it was the ideas thing that helped them, ways of marketing the tour and, you know, right. Team Breezy would like it this way if, if you put it put it in these words or whatever. So, um, so I did that. So, you were really like studying the brand and understanding what it was at that right. point and how to, mm-hmm. you know, kind of grow it even more. Yeah. So, super, and you're still in college right still now? Still in college. Okay, gotcha. Still in college. So, um, on, for example, when I was having a, 
have a break of class, a break from class. Sorry, I'd sit there and you know type and go on my Twitter and see all the stuff. And right. Um, so anyway, so I I did that, and there was a, there was a lot of times where, uh, you know, the the company'd say, Jake, can you come in tomorrow morning? And I'd say, like, because and I'd work there that afternoon. I have to drive all the way back to Newcastle. Damn. So I've I've got there at like eight o'clock. Sorry, I've left there at eight o'clock at night, and I'm like, and I've just slept in my car around the street and just come back the next morning because you like there was no point in me driving all the way home then driving right. all the way back and so it happened a few times and then eventually uh towards the end of the whole promoting process they said to me you know we've sold the tour out completely and they said to me that they think that it was a a lot of it was a part of the fact that i'd uh help them promote it in a certain way they said that because it was it was authentic or you know yeah, seemed yeah. organic so i said awesome that's great and they said well as we can't pay you but as a reward we're going to fly you to the first show which was in adelaide wow so they flew me there and um christine was there the, the um chris's auntie who does all these street team stuff too and i met her and there was a bunch of other street team people from around australia who was there as well and um were working backstage helping doing the meet and greets so that was the first time i'd ever met chris before and he's and I don't get starstruck, so I think that kind of helps, you know. Like I don't ever that it was like easy, you, yeah, to ease into the yeah. I don't, I don't ever, and you know, just what's up, dude, sort of thing. There was no real, I don't really get, you know, yeah, yeah. Blown okay. away. So, so yeah. earlier on, was he coming to Australia and selling out those tours, or was it a struggle? He was, yeah. So he came to Australia with Rihanna in two thousand and eight, mm. and then myself and Jackson. It's a funny story. I'll tell you later on yeah, yeah. about that, but. Um, yeah, he came then and it was his first tour since then. So the the album before fame, correct me if I'm wrong, it's graffiti. If anyone Oh, I think you're right. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it is. But if if I'm wrong, someone please correct me. But my um, life my life was nonstop <laughs> learning about him for the documentary and I can't even remember it, mm-hmm. anything right now. Um but you so okay, so what I was gonna say was they need the street team, right? And yep. and you're here helping. Yep. But it's almost as if have they sold out? Was the tour before that sold out? I mean, it's him and Rihanna, so they're yeah. It was superstars. it was sold out too. Yeah. And yeah. was this predicted to sell out, or was it just sold out um, in a different way that they were like, oh, this is a new market? It, it they didn't. I mean, they thought it was going to sell quite well. It was just obviously media things surrounding him were not great at the time. So you know, after after the that tour, the the first or initial tour. Well, he actually had a tour before that with Beyonce in Australia. He opened for Beyonce in mm. two thousand and. Again, six or seven, right, can't right. remember. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they... I- All right, so this is... Uh, pause this podcast because I just fucked up royally <laughs> my first time doing this mistake. You bitch. You bitch. <laughs> so me and Jake are sitting here having a nice long conversation. You've heard it up to this point. And then I realized that at some point, fucking Adobe Audition stopped recording and I haven't been recording for easily the last 15 minutes. Probably. Yeah. Jake's explained so much good shit and I fucking didn't record any of it. So, dog, I'm sorry. That's all right, bro. I'm really fucking sorry. We'll figure it out. God damn it. Um, But now we're going to try to recap what we just talked about and bring it back as if it was the first time me ever hearing it. So I'll ooh and wow and do all that shit again. <laughs> but God damn it. Um, So basically, where, where, we, where it picks up off here, where people just, I just interrupted you, Jake's flying to Sydney. To, uh, from Sydney to Adelaide. From Sydney, Sydney to Adelaide mm-hmm. to go to Chris's first show yep. um, as a gift from them to, to for you helping them with the tour. Yep. And as you, you get to the venue, 
um, you meet Chris's aunt, mm-hmm. and then you meet Chris and the team, yep. and um, everything's good. Mm-hmm. So you helping you're helping them out with the meet and greet stuff, and you said that you had a digital camera, right? And so you got to go in the pit. Yeah, got to go in the pit. Um, I was taking pictures. I wasn't again. I wasn't thinking it was going to be anything. I was just doing it, for, you know, fun document certain uh, certain stuff and. I did think I think I sent some of the stuff to that promoting company they can put on their social media pages, um, but other than that, I didn't think twice about it. Just doing it for fun. Yeah, I was more so focused on the meet and greets and helping that way. So, but did any? You said you sent it to them. Did did any of Chris's team see the photos at all, or do you know? Um, Probably not. I don't think they did. Yeah. Uh, this wasn't a time where like social media was huge, where like they could everybody was getting tagged straight away, kind of thing. It was. Um, you know, and again, it was just a direct thing I sent to the promoters, and they weren't great pictures. Like they were just, you know, digital, you know, snapshot stuff. Right. It wasn't. It wasn't great. And they had photographers there, obviously. So okay, so they fly you to this city. Mm-hmm. Um, you see the show. The show's awesome. You helped them out. You were a big help. Mm-hmm. Now, what happens? I know what happens. Ha ha ha. Right. But please tell the listener okay. again. What what goes on? So after Adelaide, yeah. So after Adelaide, so, you decide to. So I decide to uh, to fly to the rest of the cities of the the shows, and I saved saved my money and and well, I had saved money previously. So I I spent it on flying around hotels and stuff like that, um, and going to the other shows and helping in the same capacity, which was which was fun because they you know they open open their arms to me and I was doing the meet and greets and working with Christine and, you know, vibing with everybody and the dancers were great and Chris was great and whenever the shows had finished and stuff, I'd we'd go out to clubs and I'd, you know, I'd get drunk with them and have fun and it was it was awesome. It was the best, like, we just clicked something about it. We just clicked. I don't know what it was. Just everybody seemed to vibe well and then that was it, you know. How just, many days was this? This is all in Australia, yeah, right? Yeah, it was probably a week and a half maybe. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't really... It wasn't a long time, but it was long enough for us to, you know, create a, a good bond. We're all very close. And and Christine, she's she's still to one of this day, to this day, sorry, one of the most um, loving and caring people I've ever met in my life. She She's the person solely responsible for m- my existence right now. She's the Chris's one who, aunt. Chris's aunt is the, the one who started the whole thing for me. And she she deserves every single part of the credit of everything. Why? What, what did she do? She just saw your work ethic? She Yeah, she's the one who like just started it, like got me on as the street team leader. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like we'd have conference calls with all the other street team leaders around the world because there was 150 leaders, I believe, and then had teams under them. So it was quite a few. And then we'd have phone calls and we'd check in and everybody be on the call at the same time. And actually, because I was at, at uni or college doing communications, I had a little bit of marketing knowledge. So I guess I, I'd just come up with like a A4 document and I'd put down some simple things you can do to promote the album. Like, you know, go into a store and offer a burnt CD, a copied CD of his music, you know, give him posters. You know, the, the worst they can say is no. And I know it's annoying when you have to approach people, but these were just guerrilla. I had uh, like, it was like a guerrilla marketing worksheet, you know, yeah, whatever course. to do. So I just sent that around and, and, I, and I kind of tried to take it on board to you know, I wouldn't say lead everybody, but I wanted to make sure that we were doing it properly and not mucking around. You know, we were really trying to focus on getting this guy's shit everywhere. Right. So that was, you know, my focus at the time. And then they they had since flown back to America after that tour. And then 
I went back to the farm and and I actually got a I had a job um, working as a burger flipper at my my little hometown. Seam has a corner store, bread, milk, that sort of stuff, and like a grocery store, like a grocery store, yeah. But obviously, this town's it's a farm, like yeah. there's farms everywhere, so it's the one shop. That's it. There's nothing else there. So it's we call it a takeaway, which is you know it's like a Mel's diner. It's a, it's a diner pretty much with all the stuff. I worked there for seven years, so I flipped burgers and saved all my money. Um, and decided that the US tour, I was going to fly over there and do the same thing. I was going to, you know, spend as all my money, what I had at the time, and just do it. I just thought that that, that was the right thing to do. Um, so did you reach help. out to them to? I think let I did, them know. I think I told Christine I was coming. Yeah, and then she was obviously like, "Well, you know, sort of thing." And I was like, "Well, you know, I want to help." And that was again, that was my focus. I wanted to make sure that everything was, you know, we were we were getting all this gorilla stuff that was at the bottom, like all the stuff that people don't think of nowadays, you know, like that. And to this day, a lot of labels and, and, you know, marketing firms, they, I don't think they, they still appreciate gorilla marketing for what it's worth. It's still, it's still very valuable, you know, like for an example, for example, the movie it that just came out, like in Sydney, when I was back home, I saw like, they were running around putting balloons with helium attached to it mm-hmm. in the drains mm-hmm. and having the the spray paint on the ground like that shit is is seriously like and it made headline news for example you know like it was it was it was really really smart stuff so we were we were doing similar stuff back when the fame album came out and actually after that during fortune um, which is his album that was uh, after that one chris's london street team projected the fortune album cover on the side of a big bridge in london themselves oh, that's dope. and it made headline news of course which when that would then translate into interest which then would translate into sales so it was i think that it, it might i wonder if it's coming back because i have you heard have you seen narcos yeah um they were, they did a little ad campaign where in every bathroom, like they were going to the bars, bathrooms, mm-hmm. and on top of the toilet, they were putting a sticker that looked like it was part of the toilet, but it looked like a rolled up dollar in cocaine. Wow. So they were just putting those everywhere. So you yeah. just see this cocaine and a dollar yeah. sitting everywhere, and that was just a Narcos ad or yep. like um, Stranger Things. You drove by the billboard, and yeah. they're, they're doing these crazy things where the billboard, they go outside of the billboard, and they made like the kids stand up there, so it's the silhouette of them on their bike. Like they're doing these new things, yeah. even to like modern. Yep. It's interesting. So It is. But I mean, back then, it was so mm. crucial, and I don't think, I think it'd be harder to get a street team now because all they do is they think that just posting to Instagram changes the game, but. Yeah, bro. It's, it, it comes down to hard work, you know. It, it is hard work, really. Yeah. Like it's, and. That whole thing, like when I flew over there, I just wanted to to instill in everybody that it, it can be done. You know, this this stuff is crucial and we really need to get his album, you know, out there and, and get it huge, as, bi- as big as possible. This is so interesting. Because so, yeah. think about how crazy that is. Yeah. Because I also think that it's cool because do you feel like this when you're on tour, like say you go home mm-hmm. when you're not on tour right. and you're back to normal life. Everything's just easier yep. and not stressful. Mm-hmm. But when you get into the mix of like the time we were in Kansas city for that shit, yep. I was working to get the tour visuals right and everything was happening. And Chris is up 24 hours a day preparing for the show. So mm-hmm. you're up for 24 hours a day. Yep. And in those moments you are working so hard, but I think that there's something that you like, it, it takes over you and you, nothing else matters because you're 
goal is to make it right. Yep. And you're going to do whatever it takes to get there. So falling asleep doesn't matter anymore. Almost eating sometimes doesn't matter, which yep. isn't healthy, but sometimes that, that consumes you. So for you to feel that that early, like yeah. I need to help them do this. I mean, yep. he's a superstar. They're, they're right. going to get it done one way or another, mm-hmm. but for you, you're going to add a new element to make sure it got done no matter what for, for the good of, you know, promotion and everything yeah. you want to make sure it got saw through. So you, you decide to go to fucking America mm-hmm. on your own dime. Yep. Fly. Where was the first show? Where'd you fly to? Um, LA. I think it was a random city, and then I remember the two shows after it were Atlanta and Miami. Okay, it could have been like North Carolina or something. The first one, it was like an amphitheater or something. Um, but then yeah, the other the other two or three were. So not not only did you fucking fly to America, you flew to the other side of America. The hell, that's like yeah. the <laughs> longest flight. Yeah, it was it was painful, but again, you know, I didn't. Didn't matter at, at that point, bro. Like you said before, three words, whatever it takes. I, I had that mentality. Just even, I guess, even when I was at, when I was in that that corner store, my boss like taught me like mopping the floor. He that work ethic he instilled that in me when I was younger. Like so, you know, I I take pride in working hard and like making sure I deliver something. You know, that's that's you know, a value. Yeah. So that was one of the biggest things too. So by me going over, I, you know, said, I want to make sure that this meet and greet stuff is, is great. I wanted, I, and again, I bought my first DSLR in Australia before I left, which was a Canon 600D. And I, in that time between the Australian and American tour, done certain photography self, you know, taught myself certain things. I'd done a little bit at, at college. Um, and then I'd, uh, Took that over there, had a, a, what do you call it, a um, monopod. And I I was just filming fans, just filming them and getting their reaction. And we'd put together like a a webisode called Breezy TV, like myself and a few other people who were part of the street team. And we'd put out this webisode, you know, they'd have a green screen and stuff. It was really amateur stuff. But but wait, you're doing this in America? Yeah. Okay. So you're, okay, before before we get to the work, so you fly to the first show Mm -hmm. and you bought your... You bought your own tickets to the East Coast shows. Yep. So you flew to each place. I didn't. Well, I didn't buy. Yeah, I bought all my plane tickets, yeah, not yeah. the tickets to the shows. Right, right. Yeah, no, yeah, you, yeah. so you flew your. You know, you flew to that show. Yeah. Did you fly to the next one? You Fl- flew to Miami or whatever. Flew to. Yeah, flew to Atlanta, and then and then flew to Miami was the last show that we did. So the so did, yeah. so basically from the Australia show mm-hmm. there was a period of time that passed right How probably much six months six months yeah, okay probably cool. six months so then you yeah. just went and caught the last three shows of the U S tour no nah, it was it was halfway three quarters or something okay. like that like after Miami they continued on and I flew home okay um but yeah it was it was those three shows I took some photos I still I don't think I took any professional photos in the show I think I was still focused on capturing fan content as and I was pro like team breezy it's it's Chris's fans who are the 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 foot soldiers and I wanted to highlight that and how passionate the fans were and I wouldn't say I didn't care about capturing Chris because I knew he had Godfrey as his videographer right right and I didn't want to step on his toes sure I wanted to make sure that everything was legit he was doing his job and I was just focusing on the fans and helping Christine do everything and you know that sort of stuff. What made so. you think to go and shoot the fans? Like, I mean, you're out of all the things in the world, you're just like, I'm just gonna go out there and shoot the fans. You just knew that that video would be effective because that's what the that's what matters, bro. The fans are the ones who buy the music, who stream the music, who send stuff to their friends, and they're the voice of the artist. Right. The, that's why, like, it, it's so simple to walk up to a fan and say, you know, like, 
thanks for streaming, thanks for doing this. And that, and they they are so happy when they get that react, that reception from that, you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. it's the smallest thing, but to them it's huge, you know? Like, to get, to, to get someone talking to them about how their love is impacting the artist in a good way, you right. know what I mean? So, like, I just think that fans, I don't think fans are underrated or, or, you know, not appreciated, but I do think they need to be appreciated a lot more in certain aspects, you know, 100%. like people try and, people try and leverage off fans right. and, you know, say, you know, fans go and do this, go and do that. But the, the, the true fans, like, again, I was a fan dude, like I still am a fan, right. but I was one of these kids who was like up, you know, like the song comes out and the album comes out tomorrow. Like, you Buying know, it right away. Yeah. Like after, after the end of college, well, uh, sorry, after the end of high school, like I went and bought the graffiti album and I sat in my car and listened to it. Right. And like, you know, I, I just, every song back to back to back to yeah. back. And I just was like, you know, I'd open the album and I'd look at the booklet and I'd Read go through it, it and yeah. I'd, I'd see who mixed it. Like yep. just weird little shit like that. Yeah. So I, I, again, I just think that the, I think it fans, are the, 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 the the heart of, of an artist that's right. it you know yeah 100 yeah. percent so. okay so so then you put together this breezy tv mm-hmm. thing that you were talking about what happens with that so that just that that was like pushed across his like fan stuff fan sites his his fan site at the time was called planet chris brown that's now team breezy world um but yeah so i i then helped christine sort of it's, it started to get a bit more you know i was doing a bit more with christine and then i then i took over doing the the fan website i learned a little bit of wordpress and stuff back at college so i just help post stuff and do yeah, that yeah yeah so then i learned that um was was just helping in different other aspects of fan stuff this is once i've got back home yeah so you're back home working. so i'm back home and i'm i'm sitting there in my room and then doing my stuff like i was um college and christine had hit me up and she says we want you to come to europe on the Carpe Diem World Tour and do the meet and greets and be a sound check meet and greet coordinator with us to help her. So that was my first opportunity. A sound check meet and greet coordinator. So I would just help. I'd basically essentially do what I was doing in the the previous shows, yeah. but just officially right. now, I guess. So, um, so again, Christine is the, the crux up. of this whole thing, bro. Like right. she's the one who does it all. So um, I've then said to my mum, mum i've got this opportunity like what's going to happen you know what i mean like with college what am i going to do she was pissed (laughs) initially and to this day i still think my mum like i still want to finish college i still want to get the paper for mum because i know she again she's masters and all that sort of stuff degree and i want to give her that but i went to my course coordinator at university and i said look dude like i've got college and i've got this world tour with Chris Brown, what do I do? And the course coordinator looked at me and said, well, what the fuck do you think you should do, you idiot? Like, that's crazy. college is always going to be here. Always. So, that's when wow. I, I did that. Um, and then I went, that was my first tour, proper tour with Chris, which was in 2012. This time, they're they're sending you out, right? Yeah. So, oh, I, I flew God. over there. We did the whole European tour. And that was when I, so I did the sound check coordinator stuff. And then on my own, and during that time between the US fame tour and this Carpe Diem world tour in 2012, I'd learnt a lot more um, photography photography stuff. So I was... Um, but they weren't planning on you being a photographer at all? No, they, you no. You just brought your camera? No, no, no. So um, so I did I did uh, some, some basic, again, you know, learning stuff online, taught myself stuff. And then 
I'd do the sound checks, do the meet and greets, and I would then go and shoot during the show. I didn't even send them to Chris. I just shot them for my own sort of stuff. Yeah. And I and that was when I started to, I guess, get an eye. I, I kind of always had a bit of a creative eye back to that thing where I'd have dreams and right, stuff, right. weird shit like that. But um, I started to understand lighting and composition and, and I started to understand him, which I'll talk about a bit later. It's, it's super just, crucial. It's, it's, it's weird, bro. You know what it's like no, with it's artists. Super crucial. You have to know them. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's it got to that and then, we did another tour called Superfest, which is an urban music festival. Um, Chris headlined that in Australia. So I, Christine said, can you do the merchandise? Look, can you handle the merch down there? Because it's obviously a lot of the ways to come all the way over. Why don't I just do it? Because I'm there already. Right. So I did that. And that was, again, traveling around Australia for five or six shows. Did that. And, and Fame, the album, had actually come out then. So Chris had just won the grammy for that album so he came and i'd seen him and i said dude like you won the grammy like you did it and he's like he was just like yeah man like we were just fucking stoked like it was the first night i'd seen him and you know we were we're in brisbane i think or something and we're just we're pumped it was it was great but at this point on the tour you guys are building a friendship ever since i mean the beginning they're seeing he's seeing how loyal you are to his brand and like you're committing to it and stuff on the tour were you you guys were touring by bus in europe and shit Yep, yep. So yep. were you guys like, was it all one bus or do you have like a bunch? No, there was time? a, I was on the, the meet and greet manager bus. Yeah. So it was just a, a bunch of this stuff. mixed. Yeah. Right. But it was still part of, you know, his bus, the dancers and us. So yeah. it was like three buses. Okay. Well, um, and then production were, yes, you know, off doing one. whatever their thing. But um, yeah, it was sort of, it was, you know, close knit. We all developed great relationships and, you know, you know, man, it's, you have, it's a family on tour, you know, everyone's got a vibe bond and yeah. stick together and that sort of stuff because everyone's going through hell including chris when it comes to having to constantly get up perform yeah you know go to sleep wake up do it again like you know stay healthy all that bro, shit. stay healthy is so good. they come back to australia you do that festival mm-hmm. uh or several festivals then so what's happening like are you taking stills again taking stills yeah um, and, and his video guys there for all this stuff yep, godfrey? Yep. godfrey's still there okay um he's he's doing his thing um and then, so that tour finishes and then everybody goes home, stuff like that. And 2013, I came over here again on my own back. I said, I'm just going to fly over here and stay here for as long as I can on a tourist visa. Just hang out, you know, just try and create stuff. And then there was a company called Entrago, which was um, was sort of the first company that did like live streaming stuff. And okay. they, had an, they had an app idea for Chris. At the time, his management said, you know, do you want to be involved? Because I was with him all the time. And Godfrey had since since went had yeah, yeah. had his kids so there was no one really in that place um so i just said yeah you know what i'll i'll go and check with the company and see what it's all about so we then did this app thing and and it worked out okay it was just a few different things that, that didn't sort of you know didn't work out in the end but um it was good, good. again another experience where you know did video shoots it was also all that sort of stuff and then um I went home and then that happened for a couple of years or probably 18 months where I'd just come back for album stuff, go home, come back for album stuff, go home. And then 2015 is when we did like two tours back to back. And and how did, as a photographer or what? Yeah. So that, at that point, I, I believe I did the Between the Sheets tour, which was in 2015, still as part of the merch people, like as a soundcheck person, but I was his photographer as well and I would deliver the images to him at the same time. And then I think the One Hell of a Night tour was when I stopped doing that meet and greet stuff. Oh, shit. So when I I met you, it was like you were full on just got the 
I yeah. Mean, I guess I would call that like a promotion to kind of, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, just, dude, you can yeah. not do twice the amount of work. Sort yeah. of. Well, that that's that's kind of you know at that point I was just kind of like, well, I want to focus on this visual aspect of him, so I did that, and you know then so we do all that tour and stuff like that, and then 2016 we do the one hell of a night European tour, that was great, and we did the party tour this year. Yeah, that was great. But but back up. So um, before one hell of a night tour, mm-hmm. the tour prior to that, you were between the sheets. Tour, yeah, yeah. Were, so were they using the images at this point? Are you starting to get yep. kind of good at it that you're like, yeah, hey, you know, and they're posting and using the content. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, I didn't know if I was being getting good at it or not. You know Whatever. what I mean? But you like I mean? he's yeah. So they're he he it. he was posting the images. You know, and um, at that point, it was like all over the, you know, social media was streamlined. We had all the images going up, that sort of thing. So it was, it was officially and unofficially my job to do that photography in that first 2015 tour. Yeah. And then the second one was when it was kind of like, all right, well, this is your job now. This is what you're going to do. Right. Um, yeah. So that was sort of where it started. Fuck. That, that tangent off that way. So that's crazy. Mm. So you do all these tours. Now you're officially the photographer. You're coming in for any and every tour and Mm -hmm. you were i don't want to jump into this let's go back to one hell of a night yeah um how was that as your first time Mm -hmm. being the photographer not having to do merch what you know what's a day like for you um a day okay what's Um, a day like all right so depending on (laughs) sleep Mm -hmm. which as you know it's very limited when you're touring um you tend to you you wake up on a bus. You have no idea where you are. Yeah. You roll out of the bunk. You go in the venue. You have catering, and um, I, I have a photographic memory when it comes to buildings. So what I do is what what I try and do um, is scope the venue as quickly as possible, so that whilst I'm digesting the day and I'm moving around and catering, charging all my gear, sitting down, I have it mapped in my head of what I want to do. Um, so then I'll go around the venue, go up to the roof, do as many things as I can to prevent stress. Because I use, I we all get stressed, and I get stressed a lot about that because it's very important, you know, right, to make right, sure right. that I capture the images of him, you know, every single night properly at the, at the same um, quality level, you know, like constantly deliver. Yeah. So that's why by doing the 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 advance of the arena, instead of me capturing an image and going, oh shit, I don't know where I am. I know exactly where I've got to go. So I'll, I'll see a stairwell and say, that's stairwell C. I've got to run up there and I've got to do this because this part of the song, he's going to be over this part of the stage. Yeah, and you'll see fire or some shit. Right. And you're like, I want so, to yeah, yeah, exactly. So the planning aspect of it is like ridiculously crucial. Yeah. So that's that's my day is I'll be sitting there and, you know, some people might say that I'm a bit grumpy or I look a bit angry or I look a bit stressed. Everyone says, oh, you sort of, you know, smile, Jake. And it's not about that. I'm I'm... Once I finish doing it, I'm happy as Larry. Like right. I'll I'll drink and have fun, but I take this shit ridiculously seriously. The I don't day resets every I don't, day. I don't fuck around right. when it comes to preparation and stuff like that. And I really, really want like people to know that it's just the prep and the the stress that you have is if you use it as a weapon into your craft, you'll never fail. Mm-mm. You'll never fail. And even if you do fail. Again, it's just a small lesson to show you what you need to do next. It's just that's what it is, bro. So, I think the plan you got to plan. Make sure you plan things. Yeah, that's 100%. That's, that's the. I mean, everything. A lot of things is you know off the cuff and on the fly. With but I'm just talking specifically about these different shows. If you plan well, you'll you'll execute better. Yeah, so. I agree. So, 
after the show gets done, you're cutting images and yep. shooting them over to Chris as soon as possible. Yeah, so I kind of developed a um, a habit of as soon as the show finishes, I'll run to the dressing room, sit down, edit, speed edit as quickly as I can and get them to him within five minutes. Yeah. So whether that be... It tends to go between 35 to 50 images, maybe more some nights, depending on how the crowd is and how, you know, certain different other elements interact. But um, 35 to 50 images that you're sending to him every yeah, night? Wow, yeah, fuck. Yeah. So then I'll send them to him. He'll post. And yeah, we just relax. See, with Chris, he posts a lot. Mm. He po- he likes to post it, like everything. And I always, yep. with Q, when I was on tour with Q, I, he would post like maybe one picture mm-hmm. from the show, maybe two. Right. So I would always try to find like the 15 bangers yeah. and just bang them out. Cause yeah. every night for us, it was the same thing. And you go straight to editing. I would try to get them done as quick as possible. And then yeah. on top of it, I was doing all that fucking video shit. So it was yeah. like, which is by the way, which is ridiculous because the, the double, the double job bro is insane. Dude, you know? it was so it's, tiring. Yeah. But I'd have like a seven S on my hip yep. and my five D with me and right. then swapping back and like, yeah, Crazy, but that was super important to mm. to make sure the images were done right away. Yeah, but right. at the same time, I always felt like because our shows would get done, and by the time you're you know you get the images cut, it's like eleven or twelve, right? And so posting times I think are always like the best at like ten in the morning, mm-hmm. ten to noon. Yep, but right. still they'd post this shit, and they're superstars anyway, so mm-hmm. it's gonna get traction. But yeah. I'd always try to have them then, and then after I give them the first batch, then try to see if there's any other bangers afterwards yeah. that I could spend more time or, yep. or fuck with or whatever. I do that too, exactly. Yeah, you know what I mean? Thing. So that way yeah. in the morning they have another one or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, okay, but you, so you do this one hell of a night tour. It's massive. It's full US tour and yep. Europe. Yep. Uh, one hell of a night. Yep. 2015. Then we do Europe the next year. Um, and that that was awesome as well. I think, I think uh, the one hell of a night tour was when my images started to sort of, I could tell that I was getting a lot better at it. Great. Yeah. And then I think the European tour was when I was like, okay, like I've sort of got to another level with it. Yeah. And then, yeah. So then obviously just, I just kept trying to improve with it. What I like, no, I noticed like when sometimes you just post like random, he'll like screen, you could tell Mm. when he screenshot someone's shit and then he'll go back to posting yours or if, Mm. Or if you're not with him for like a couple of months, yeah. and out of nowhere he'll post some shit. I'm like, is this Jake's photo? Like, yeah. when did this? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you can just tell the difference in the shit. Like, you have mm-hmm. a, a very stylized look when it comes to his right. work. You know? Yeah, yeah. But it's yeah. so cool that you've been fucking developing that for so long. Yeah. Like in your head, you've been living in that world for such a long time. Yeah. Damn, that one. That was like one of the most uh, interesting times in my life being out in LA working that shit because I think we flew in. Mm. We were just a uh, liquor and zero. Yep. Then we were editing. That was, when, was that halfway between? No, that was just we, before the one hell of a night yeah. tour. So yeah. we did liquor and zero. Mm. I met you there. Yep. And then I think right after that, we went into editing. So Chris was coming in at like 6 p.m. like you said, and we'd work till fucking yep. the sun was coming Three up. Three or four, five, six. Yeah. Yep. And then, um, and then we turned around and then they wanted the intro video cut. So I had to like mm-hmm. cut that shit in record speed and then hop on a plane and bring it all there. And they said right before we left, that's what this is how crazy this was. And and I knew how you felt because I was like, mm. I and it I itched for it because I saw what you were doing. I'd never done a big tour like that. Yeah. Like you did that and then I did cues. Yeah. And it, and I was like, I wanna be on a bus, all this stuff, and I saw you and I yeah. was like, damn <laughs> yeah like i'm I remember, ready to look as tired as that bro. motherfucker well i remember i remember you asked me remember the first thing you asked me about touring when you called me and said 
like, do you have any advice? Oh, yeah. And I just said vitamins. Vitamins, and, and, yeah. And, and water. Hell just make yeah. sure you just, just try and keep yourself as healthy as possible because it's so easy because you're stressed. So you then start eating shit food, yeah. which then try, you know, has that artificial happiness. Even with catering. Like, yeah. Even if it's good catering, it's like yeah. you still end up, it's not always great for you. Right. Yeah. 100%. So, like, you just, bro, like, <laughs> you just learn to operate on the basic minimum human ability to do anything like you just you somehow find a way you work out on tour uh not really bro i i when i go home i work out a lot because i don't do anything i just go i go to the gym six days a week when i'm home and i just get fit i don't i don't lift weights i do body weight stuff Mm -hmm. and just ride bike bro just just to get myself cardiovascular so funny because i because when i when i'm on tour i'm running in the arenas i don't walk i'll run and and like parkour fucking jump over chairs yeah i and whatever it takes oh wait what what was it there was like something that did was it you that jumped off a stage like it was like the most ridiculous leap like you knew there was a shot and you had to get it and then you had to jump over something i don't yeah. know if you ate shit did you fall yeah i did eat shit but when, i landed on my face on concrete i can't can't remember where it was it was <laughs> it was it was somewhere where i was like if i don't get this shot it's i'm never going to get this yeah. kind of shot again i can't remember the shot though but it was something ridiculous it i don't know what like, it was cuz i talked to you about it and yeah. i was like how the fuck did you get that yeah. and then you're like yeah i took the picture and then i knew i had like 1 second to turn around jump off the stage over the barricade or something yeah. and you just fucking smashed your face yeah but it didn't matter i still got up and the got shot the shot was sick as fuck yeah it was it was it was a good shot but it was just like whatever it takes bro back to that phrase this is such an incredible story so like does Chris know all this? Like, I mean, think about him is he's going to be around people every day all mm. the time. I always think every time I see him, I'm like, I don't know if he's going to remember me. But then like yeah, he last does. night, he's like, oh, what's up, bro? Yeah. He remembers everything, Every- bro. He has a, his memory is probably the most. It's impressive. It's it's, it's scary how, yeah. how good his memory is. That's and crazy. He, he can remember the smallest details. Like we'll sit there and we'll chat about anything and he'll bring up something that we did on tour years ago and i'll yeah. be like fuck how do you remember that dude right. and he's just like you know i just remember these small things like but he, you know what i'm saying like for him at that early stage yeah. you're literally flying and doing all this extreme shit to be involved yeah and trying to help out in any way possible mm-hmm. where he might just see it like oh this kid just must like work for the company that yeah promoted this you mm-hmm. know what i mean and so what does he do you guys ever reflect on that shit does he understand like the amount of um, work you put in i mean i hope so but i, I just I don't care about. You're a humble dude, so yeah, I don't yeah. know if you're just sitting here chirping. No, this shit. Like, like I just, I'm sure he, yeah, he does. He does. Chris always, especially lately, he's been praising me a lot, and yeah. I've really, I'm really appreciative of it. But I feel very awkward at the same time because I don't, I don't like to be the, like that's why I'm, I'm the ghost. I don't like to be in the front of everything. I don't like to, do, to have myself put out there. I'm very shy, very nervous person when it comes to people praising me. So I don't know how to digest it. But with him, he's, he's very uplifting and builds you up like Mm. chris is he's just constantly saying like we'll we'll shoot a show and um so he'll perform i'll shoot the show and we'll i'll go to the dressing room and you know we'll have the support acts in as well and they'll and chris will that they'll pull up their phone and they'll say dude look at this picture of you tonight like that's dope like the support act and chris will go yeah bro like jake took that right right he's like he's the shit no one fucks with him and i'm just like yeah and i sit there and i sort of like smile and i think yeah that like that's that's my pat on the back and it means so much to me bro because like i honestly i don't even again i wake up some days and i don't even know how the fuck this happened to be honest with you and it's and to be to anybody in the world 
It doesn't matter what the fuck you want to do. And this is cliche and everyone says you can do what you want. There's no limits to it. But it's fucking true, dude. Like I literally grew up on a farm in Australia and I'm that. now in LA. Yeah. It just makes no It makes no sense, bro. Like it should it should not happen. It, it shouldn't happen. And the only reason it will happen is if you have hard work, which then creates opportunity, which then creates luck, which it all binds together, bro. Like whether it's whether it is luck over here and opportunity here, and it all eventually comes full circle. It's still it's it just happens. It's it's like like I've said to Chris before, dude. I was like, do you believe in fate? I said, do you think that like I said this years ago to him. I said, do you think that you and I are supposed to this was supposed to happen? And he said, yeah, hundred percent. And I said, well, I think so too. Like for some, it just it just it's just weird, especially to my parents because they've seen me be like Chris Brown fan. And then to this, this is, they don't, they Isn't still, crazy? they still don't get it. They still like confuse. It's, it's almost like a dream. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't really make sense. It's like that Neo dream I was saying. Like, yeah. it's, it's like, it's like I'm going to wake up and it hasn't, you know, it hasn't happened. It's, it's the same thing for very my family. Weird. It's very funny. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Like, but we, it's cool because they yeah. get excited, you know, you always struggle with something like, I don't know, I'm going to leave college because mm. I think this might work yeah. and it doesn't seem safe. Right. And and everything a creative does is never safe. It's yep. always a gamble. You're always risking your time, your energy, your yep. money, all the stuff. 100%. And, but when it pays off, it feels really good. And I think mm-hmm. that it's something that they eventually get to understand. A lot yeah. of times, I think it takes people a long time to see that. But right. you put it so well, the way you, you know what I mean, that it, it is possible. It like is super possible. fucking possible. But that, I love your fucking story because mm. this is the this is the the version that people don't hear. I didn't even know all that shit. Yeah. I, I think I've asked you about it and you were like, oh, I used to do some of the um, yeah. fan site and all It's just shit. such a long story. It is that's a long the story. problem. Like this is, we needed this scenario Hell to talk yeah. about it because that's the only way I could kind of get it across detailed enough where you can understand it. Yeah. But, yeah, it is that long that you just, you think like, fuck me, how the hell did this, all this shit happen? That's what I just constantly think. Like I'll sit there, sit there in the house and be like, dude, like, fuck, like I'm exhausted from thinking about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just a, but yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing, man. It's, I could, I could have been, I could have been cooking hamburgers back in CM, my farm area, you know, I could isn't have that crazy? doing any, I could have been a cameraman at, at channel nine and same in here. That's ex- dude, yeah. that's exactly the same shit yeah. I say. God yeah. damn. And it's just, it's the same thing, bro. Cause you're from a small town yeah. and it's like you hear all these stories about these small town people having these like really cool jobs that just don't don't make sense and it's it's rare but it's not rare because you kind of do hear about these crazy stories every now and then right. and you're like holy shit like Prince's guitarist was this or you yeah. know Michael Jackson's guy was that or yeah. you know like just these people that are embedded that are so crucial to an artist's image and life that you never hear or see about until these stories come out whether it's the end of the artist's career or it's behind the music where you you know see jim bob the bodyguard who is like 20 year bodyguard you never hear from him and he has all these amazing stories about the the artist amazing yeah so like that's why i think it was good with the documentary that chris released you know like to to see that to see that come out and everybody's reaction. Like I had people text me that I don't even speak to. Isn't haven't spoke crazy? to in years and and I wouldn't say hated Chris, but had a very negative opinion of him. Of course. Based on lack of knowledge yeah. too, which is based on the media. And they would say to me like, Jake, like my, my opinion of Chris has changed 100%. You know, I said, well, I'm glad because he is one of the most giving, caring and supportive people I've ever met in my life. Right. And... He will eat. He will if we're at a table. Everyone will eat bef- before him, and he'll make sure. And he, he just it doesn't matter. Like he'll just put every he'll put like any problems aside 
to make sure you're good. Yeah, and yeah. that's just, you know, like he just, I just can't even put into words. Well, I, I agree because yeah. it is something that I think a lot of people need to see the documentary and I'm yeah. glad that we, in the edit process, yeah. I mean, Andrew tried to make it as open for him to share it however he wants to. Yeah. Like I can't ever say, oh, he lied or he told the truth because no none of us will ever know. But yeah. the way he was able to fairly share his story mm-hmm. and let, like put it out there like, yo, if you want to know, this is it. If you don't want to know, fuck it. You yeah. hate me forever. But like, yeah. I, I really enjoyed trying to piece that together in a way that people could um, finally hear what he had to say about it because mm-hmm. he just hasn't talked about it forever. And yeah. it is cool be- to see some people really say like, wow, I think differently of him. I'm like, so do I. I mean, when I moved here, it wasn't like mm-hmm. I was a diehard Chris Brown fan. Yeah, I didn't pay yeah. attention to everything. You knew what was delivered to you. Yeah, really. I knew, I knew the it. basics. And, yeah. and, it, and when we went to the uh, One Hell of a Night Tour, when we, mm-hmm. we flew to Kansas City to meet you guys there for the yeah. first show, and our Uber driver was this dude in a pickup truck. My first time in an Uber in a pickup right. truck. Already but he's driving us, here. and he's like, what are you guys doing here? And we're yeah. like, oh, and he just kept picking at us. Like, why, why do you have so much fucking gear in my truck? And mm. we're like, oh, we're doing this thing for Chris Brown. And he's like, that guy that beat the shit out of Rihanna? Mm. And it's like that. That's what I think That's everyone it. knows if they like. don't care. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? If you don't care, you know that. Yep. And then I never knew his whole story. So it was really interesting making that, mm-hmm. which I don't want to make this all about the documentary. That, that was a whole nother thing. Right. I'll talk to Andrew about that. Yeah. But it was cool when we were making the documentary and we got down, this is like my favorite part is we got down to, we had like a rough cut. I think it was really rough and we had to, we had to play it for some people. So we like had this theater, but before we did it, we had, you had sent us some photos, mm-hmm. which we used in the, for the, poster and i edited the poster so i like created yeah. this poster out of that one that fo- was the spotlight I, yeah one, the spotlight yeah. photo i fucking mm-hmm. love that shit mm-hmm. i i like i don't even think i fucked i don't think i did much or anything to the photo i might have added mm-hmm. another spotlight or something to, i think you added two on the corner two or something. The corner. Yeah, yeah something like that in. but goddamn, that shit looks so fucking good mm-hmm. and i remember seeing a picture of it outside of the theater and they had it framed and i was like my first time seeing the theater like the the shit was in the movie theaters. Right. You know what I mean? Crazy, isn't it? Yeah, but it was like a year and a half after until it actually came out. But then yeah. we used your photo again for the other poster. Yeah. It's and crazy, it bro. sick. To even see like my photo published anywhere is ridiculous. And like that's why like even just this week with his album releasing, like the fact that I that he gave me the opportunity to do his album photo shoot, like when it when I first, when he first Damn told it, you me you spoiled it. I wanted to Oh shit. Well motherfucker. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, like the that opportunity was just ridiculous. Like, yeah, how did that? So, if, for you guys that don't know, Chris just came out with a new album, and if you go pick it up, is it very how how is it with your the photos you took? Are mm-hmm. those on the cover of the album, or is the album cover the heart with the the moon? That's the cover. So, um, the photos are in the booklet. Yeah, and then obviously all the single release has a lot of them have the photos, different images of him, um, different composite images as well. But yeah, the the heart itself is. His, his his creation like actual thing yeah, yeah that's that's the cover for it but so, damn yeah. the photos i saw that you have like mm-hmm. in the booklet and shit mm. turned out nice thank you bro and i remember you texted me like dude i'm here and mm. it's like my first studio shoot yeah and i'm gonna be using real lighting and shit. so how was that i mean i don't want to stressful it very was. very stressful yeah because like i said bro i'm not technically trained in that area whatsoever no. and i said and and um chris's creative director courtney walter who's done every single um piece of art direction for his stuff with him in collaboration since run it like the first single Fuck. she's done every cover every single one all the way up um ex- i mean every cover except for like the one the fame cover which was with ron english that that um 
picture. Um, but yeah, she she was. Chris would say to her, she would say, Chris has told me that he wants you to do like a photo shoot kind of thing for his new album. And I was bogging my pants, bro. I was like, you didn't see it coming at all. I didn't. Oh, uh, not really. No, like I was like, you know, I'd always. I'd always do the photos, you know, the, the live photos and the, the personal stuff, but I never never thought that that was going to be a thing. And he would constantly tell me and I'd, I'd just sort of think, oh, yeah, cool, yeah. And, I, and again, I was very nervous about it. Yeah. But um, Courtney, you know, she said, that's what that's what she wants. he wants to do, we're doing it. So I was like, all right. So then, you know, we talked to the label and everything. We got it all organized. We talked about different things of how we want it to look. Chris was, you know, all about this. I wanted to be very candid and very, you know, yeah. sort of. So we had the studio, we did did the different lightings. We sat there, did all the testing, um, and I had a great digital tech and an awesome lighting director with assistance that helped me, you know, shape how we wanted it to look. I'd say, you know, I want it to look like this. Chris wants it to look like that. He'd he'd say, I like this, I like that. And there was one shot in the album that's actually in the booklet. Um, I don't have the thing with me, yeah, but yeah. if I if I, I'll show you, I'll, I'll post it in the show notes. Cool. Um, it's a shot where he's blowing smoke out of his mouth. So the the name of the album is Heartbreak on a Full Moon. This is unedited too. He blew smoke out. It made a heart with like a crack down the middle of it in the smoke. Wow. Like some ridiculous bullshit that we never thought we'd be able to capture, and it just happened. And like we looked at the screen when it happened, and we we're like, "Whoa! Like that's crazy." So oh, it's just weird shit like that that happens, like coincidence stuff. That yeah. you're like, "Yeah." So, but it was awesome, bro. Like I'm, again, I'm the I'm so humbled by the fact that he's he just wants to build me up. Like he's he, like, I want you to to be the best. Like I said to him the other night, I was like, "Dude, I want to be David Fincher. Like I want to direct movies. I want to. That's what I want to do. Yeah. I don't want to. I just I want to have my my vision like to so i don't know what it's just something creative i want to push you know you i want to push hard yeah, yeah you want to make your films i want to i want to push harder so how that's going to happen i'm not sure but this this guy's instrumentally you know created my career that's amazing you know essentially you know and he's he supported me all the way and i'll support him to the day i die regardless of what happens so crazy that's how it's that's how it's going to be and that's how it's going to stay so that's a fucking sick ass motherfucking story yeah bro it's pretty it's pretty nuts man and like i just it just you just come back down to hard work and you know like i've if if anyone ever has any questions about live photography or you know like concert photography and stuff like that i've i'm more than happy to answer anyone's questions because i have i have a very good insight as to how you can you know make the best images with the most little gear stuff like that like there's just small things where you don't have to have the best shit right you don't have like i bought like that 600d i had a um 24 to 105 i think it was and that that cost more than the camera did right so it was the the typical shit camera good lens Mm. and i captured some of the best shots i've ever done on that camera with that lens right so it's like it doesn't matter like you've just got to and even like like i said with the the live stuff it when I go out to an arena, I have my gear, like I have a sling strap. I'm, I treat it as like a routine. I'll wear all black with like my Converse is on and I'll like, that's my work outfit. You know what I mean? Like when I put it on, it's like I'm that I'm ready to go. Yeah, yeah. And I'll go out there and this isn't negative towards any other photographers, but I'll look at all the press photography and I'll say, you f- in my head, you fuckers have got nothing on me just yeah. because I know 
I'm going to fucking crush this in my head. I'll just yeah. go right. Like, like you guys will walk and do a shot. I'm going to run. Hell yeah. And that's how it's going to fucking be. And I'm just going to continue to work as hard as I can. If I, if I have to abseil from a roof, I'm doing it. I don't give a fuck what anyone says. I'm going to do it. And if production don't let me do it, I'm still going to do it anyway. By yourself. So Damn. If, if someone like, I, I get this all the time. I'm sure you've had it. I'll stand up on things. Get down Pr- production will tell me to get down. down. Security will tell me to get down. I'm not getting down. It's my job to capture this artist in the best way possible. I'm directly responsible for my job to him and to myself. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do anything it takes yeah. regardless. And I'm going to continue to do that to the day I die, you know, in anything, not just photography. You've just got to have that mentality that you are going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. I fucking so, agree. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the way, bro. You've just got to keep, keep striving, focus on what you got to do, execute it and do it. Dude, I had, um, so, so Jake's here for a specific event. The mm-hmm. album just came out. Heartbreak on a Full Moon released yesterday? Two days ago. Two days ago at midnight. Um, So they had a big album release party at uh, Universal Studios on the back lot and the New York City back lot. So it was actually really dope. They like turned... Did you have anything to do with that? The design or anything? Uh, No, that was Chris, bro. That was all Chris? He he had... 100% 100% full control over creative stuff. This Amazing. motherfucker yeah. had turkey legs. He had massive turkey legs, hot dogs. He had cotton candy. He had a guy on stilts, a clown on stilts. Yeah. It was all Halloween shit. Yeah. People spray painting these masks. It was really sick. Lasers. Lasers. Lights everywhere. They like. had a stage in the middle and he performed like four or five songs. Yep. Jake asked me to come through and film some video. He's like, dude, last, like, last minute, please. And so I came through, which the video ended up fucking, it was fun for me. It was me. dope. I, yeah, yeah, it was it really, really dope, cool. bro. Everybody loved it. But it was funny how you were just saying, like, it doesn't matter if they tell me to get down, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Because I'm the same fucking way, and yeah. I will fight or ignore and just get mm. my shot. Yeah. And uh, while Chris was, like, afterwards, he went to the VIP spot, and, like, everyone went in there. You know what I mean? It was just packed yeah. out. And yeah. I was looking for you, because yeah. I was like, I think I'm going to dip. Because we were done. We got all this mm-hmm. stuff. But I, like, stood on this couch and was just kind of like, spotting it out i was mm. like maybe is chris doing anything cool do i need to capture it where yeah. the fuck is jake mm-hmm. and then this dude's like get the fuck off the couch mm. and i was about to like sass back like mm. dog i'm doing my job mm. and this dude was massive like mm. i was like no nah, you're good you can it's your couch have it i'm out of here mm. like fuck it this yeah. is not worth it i See, was like i don't give a fuck bro i don't care how big they are this dude it's- was about to swing though it was creepy bro. i don't know if he was like what his deal was, but yeah. he must love that couch or some shit. I was like, I'm off. I'm going to go to a different side, get look, on a different couch. Look, I, I respect people's jobs. Yeah, for sure. And, I, and I've told you this before. I respect everyone has a job that they have to do, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing is with people, when they interrupt me when I'm shooting, I like I've told, and as you can tell, I treat this shit so seriously, bro, that like my life depends on it. Yeah, yeah. So if someone's coming up to me and they're saying, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this. If I'm not affecting them and what they're doing in their work, leave me the fuck alone because yeah. you're affecting me now. You're stopping me from doing my job. I agree. So don't fucking touch me. Don't talk to me and don't try and boss me and tell me what to do because <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not gonna sit. And this probably comes back to me being Aussie Yeah, too, I was because, just going to say you Aussies bro, are like, lit as fuck. Because like we, you know, we play fucking physical contact sport down there, bro. No pads enough and we, we get into it. We don't fuck around. So we fight. We, we go to the axe. When we were so, Australia with Q, dude every dude was out there like yeah. getting in another dude's face like took the shirts off and shit right away ready to duke mm. it out i'm like what the fuck like and even that bro like you don't even have to take your shirt off like just well, some some me. people just get into yeah, it yeah. you know what i mean like but it's yeah, it's and i'm not promoting to be aggressive right, you know i'm right. just saying that like yeah, yeah. You, you fight just for have what to, you want you fight for what you want and 
you don't let people stand over top of you when it comes to your creative stuff and your and your job. So I like, love that. don't 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 uh don't back down from anything because you think someone else has it on top of you. Yep, I'm with that shit. I uh so before you got here, we were working on this documentary. So I was at the office and skated back, and then fucking ran out of battery and had to walk, and I had no time to prepare for this interview at all. So. I'm sorry I fucking cut this shit out on you earlier. You're good, bro. <laughs> I had to reset. Uh, but I did get, I usually like to post in the Black Window Cream, the private group, and let them ask you questions. Yep. Uh, so I fired that off like as we started this, and okay. I only got a few responses. Yep. But um, Robert Riviera, mm-hmm. he wants to know what your favorite city is to shoot in. Wow. Uh, good question, Robert. I've never heard that before. Um, Let's do it in America, and where's your favorite like country that you shot in? I want to hear both. Hmm. Okay. Um, I think city-wise, it's New York City. Just because the crowd themselves... Because I don't... I, I, I shoot Chris, you know, in general, but I'm talking about the arena itself. Like Barclays is... Like every time we go there, it's packed, bro. It's always sold out. So every time I've went to that arena, 20,000 plus people, and I capture wide angles of that place, it is ridiculous. Insane. Like you, you... You capture the best fan content in New York City because they have the best fans for this specific artist there. And even other artists too, bro. They're very, very passionate in New York City about what they, like their artists, their, you know, their shoes, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. They're, they're super passionate about it. Um, same in Paris. The, the Paris fans. Crazy. 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 Bro, like they, and and I think city-wise to capture, I think Paris is, is beautiful because it's architecturally insane. Like Napoleon mm. made it or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like. Yeah. And you know it's that that's a that's a great place to shoot as well. Um, but yeah, I think New York City in the US is the is my favorite place aesthetically to shoot. Yeah. Um, the shows are good. Yeah, bro, the the, the, the shows are great. Um, and yeah, maybe over over in in pa- in Paris is probably one of the other my other favorites. Yeah. Dude, I almost got arrested in Paris for flying my drone. Really? Around uh, um, where the fuck was I at? I wasn't at the Eiffel Tower. Yep. But I was flying the drone, and it was right before we were actually leaving Paris. So I like walked a couple blocks, um, was flying it around yep. uh, Notre Dame. Oh, really? Yeah, and I'm shit. flying it there, and dude, they, the military came at me with real guns for real, and like made me land the shit. And then the police came over, and they had Fuck. to check it all out. It was so crazy, I, and I thought they were gonna leave in the bus and never know I was fucking in prison Damn, or whatever. Bro. Trip. All right, that's dope. I like that. What about Australia though? Do you, do they go crazy for you? Because I felt like Q's biggest, like that was the craziest show. Yeah, bro. Like, like all those Australian. It's, shows. I think. A lot of the a lot of the stuff when it comes to overseas fan bases for any artist, they're so for any US artist, yeah. sorry. Um, they don't see them that often. So when they do see their their favorite artists, they go fucking ballistic. Mm. Like with Q, like when, when we went to that show in, in Newcastle, yeah, like yeah. when like Newcastle's where I grew up. You right. you went there, I you've seen it. it. Yeah. It's it really beaches, cool. bro. Everybody's super cool. And like everybody knows all accused words like yeah. on every song, bro. Everyone goes crazy. And you would think, how the fuck does all this music travel all the way over here? But it's the overseas fans that I was just going to say, the most it's obsessed. you. It's yeah, fucking well, yeah. you. Well, that, that's that's right. why. Yeah. Well, they're just, everybody's, like I said, they don't see them that often. They, yeah. they get super pumped up. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why the overseas fans uh, are the best, bro. Because they just... And I mean, the US fans are amazing as well. But still, but, like but it's a different breed. It's, it's a different thing. Because you know what? I think that they appreciate it a lot more, the European and, and you know, Australian, Asian, you know, yeah. demographic. They just... They, it's not accessible. Yeah, it's not accessible. You know, and there's actually... There's fans that have hit me up and said, Jake, I've flown all the way from Australia to the US because Chris hasn't played in Australia for a long time. Wow. 
wow. just to see him for like fucking an 45 hour minutes an yeah. hour. Like, I'm like, wow, like that's commitment yeah, and, you know, sure. and real, real love for an artist. So it's crazy, bro. Like this was, um, so when Q played in Australia, this was funny cause we did play Newcastle mm-hmm. and Jake, I told him to come to the show cause yeah. he was home yeah. and I, f- I fucked up not yeah. understanding what it, cause this was my first time out of the country. It was like yeah. Australia was the first part of us on this world tour thing. Yep. And so I'm in Australia with no service and I didn't realize, like I told Jake to come through, he was planning on coming. I'm at the venue. There's no Wi-Fi, so yeah. I can't connect to anything. Meanwhile, all my boys have got tickets, and they're in the they're thing. In the shit. So I'm sitting in a park across the road on a bench, and I'm just inside chilling. Fucking, I thought it was connected, so I just thought you hadn't hit me up. And I'm sitting there playing ping pong and just like sitting around. Yeah. And then finally, the show starts, and I think like halfway through the show, I realized what was happening. So mm. I like got on my friend's phone and was texting you, and then finally like ran over and yeah. figured it out, and you got in. Yeah, and saw like the last fucking song. Yeah, or the, something. yeah, the last song. I fucked you. up so bad. That's cool, bro. That shit was trash. I won't, I, I won't know, hand that over you. I know for one person in Australia, and I fucked them. Yeah, up. you fucked me. Did you have time. to travel for that? Nah, I mean, uh, actually, technically, I did because I lived in Sydney. So I, I was gonna I, say, I felt so like I drove far. with all my friends, and we're staying at a hotel. Um, they went. Funny story though, bro. They they went in, and I was waiting in that park for you. Oh my and then God. when I didn't hear, I actually went back to the hotel, got in the bed, and was like committed. That's it. I'm done. I'm going to sleep. And then like you hit me up, so I then had to go back in Fuck, again. I feel so I never shitty. To- I never told you this. But, oh, I feel. But so- it's cool though, because I was like, shit. I'm I'm still gonna come in. So, but yeah, I was I was almost close. To- I was watching oh Star Wars God. or something. I was very close to falling asleep. But yeah. All right, well, I'm going to get you a black and no cream shirt and okay. uh, tell me that that makes up for it. Is the coffee good? Yeah, it's, dope. Yeah, it's good, bro. Dutch bros. This this thing, as you know, saves my life. Same. And I here. never drank coffee before, but after, you know, doing this sort of shit, yep. I rely on this. I call it the nectar of the gods. If it I is. If I wake up and I don't have coffee, I don't know what the fuck I'd do. I fucking hear that, dude. That's the name of this shit. Yep. I, um... I got one more question. Just there's only two people that post on it within an hour. But yep. uh, Alex Trounce mm-hmm. says, "Can I send him some merch?" Alex, yeah, sure, bro. Send me some <laughs> merch. I appreciate hit it. Hit him up on the DM on IG. Maybe he'll hit you back. Man, that's fucking funny. What a crazy what? story. Mm. I think it's so interesting. I'll recap this shit afterwards. We we did an hour twenty. Probably would have been probably the same. Yeah, we just probably did that one part, something like that. Hopefully, it makes sense when it plays through. I don't know. Yeah, it should. So, what do you got tonight? You're going out with Chris or something like that? Uh, could be, bro. I might just have a few drinks, just chill out. I'm just trying to decompress from that album release. It's been, been, um, been awesome. You know, like the reviews are good. Um, which is, you know, more than what we want to hear. We, we, you know, the the feedback from the fans is is the the biggest thing. And when they say that an album. Is his best since his Grammy Award-winning album, yeah, and that's that's great. And, and I, he put out so many fucking songs. I know, bro. He has thousands of songs. Oh, I thousands. That and shit. I and I'm telling you, and I've heard so many songs that could be number one hits. And he just he's like Tupac, bro. He just has an arsenal of records, that, and he constantly records. He has a, a studio in his house, and he just records. Oh, records, did he build records. out the studio in his house? Yeah. So he has. It looks like a spaceship. It's ridiculous. When Damn, I'll I'll, I'll, check that out. I'll have to take some pictures and show you, bro. Yeah, it's yeah. just it's. Yeah, I don't know. I it's, remember him saying that. Is it like the side of his house, that one left side of his house? Because yeah. he parked his car in there when we did that video. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going to turn this whole thing into a studio. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fucking tight. Yeah. Well, it's on the other side, actually, I think, near his TVs. Oh, okay. We're- but still, like, he's that that whole compound aspect on the other side, it's just 
Like you literally walk through the door. Like when he has a he has a pyramid in the middle of his recording studio. That's so sick. It, it's a pyramid, right? The pyramid is the recording booth. So you go, you walk in front of the pyramid, and you you swipe your hand over a certain block on the side of the pyramid, no. and the doors open like a fucking spaceship. That's right. And he goes in there and sits in there and records, and then all the other shit is there, and there's all couches on the walls. Oh that go yeah, up. that's dope. Yeah, bro. It's just like he's intelligence wise. I don't think anybody understands how intelligent this guy is, how creative he is. I actually think that he's an evo- like he's an evolved human being past certain people. It's I'm not even I'm not even fucking lying no, to you. I mean, Just from what I've seen, I think yeah. that for someone to be able to paint, dance, sing, do all this shit, he can't be a normal human being, bro. And that's like I mean that's obviously I'm a bit biased because, you know, he is Dude, it, my, I'm telling you from me coming in and not knowing this guy and yeah. not like really caring mm. in general before I came into it, yeah. working with him, I'm like this is one of the most creative motherfuckers I've ever been around yeah. in my entire life. Right. And it's super just to have the experience to work around him and see what he does and how he moves, it's like that makes sense why you did that. That makes yeah, sense bro. why you did that. It's good. He's he's a good person to have in music. It's yeah, crazy. I think he, I think he's uh Regardless of of what happens in the future, when it comes to the music industry, I think people are still going to talk talk as if you know he's he was one of the the biggest artists that's ever lived in our in our generation, you know, and for years to come. Easy. So I don't care, I don't care what people say about him, but you cannot deny his talent, bro. It's insane. You cannot deny his talent. Well, I appreciate it, man. Yep. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. I hope everyone enjoys this shit. I don't know how to end fucking podcast yet. Fuck it. Black with no cream. Black with no cream. You bitch. Bitch. <laughs> bow, bow, bow. That's a wrap with Jake Mioski. Thank you for listening. Make sure you follow Jake online. I've shared his links in the show notes, which you can find at blackwithnocream.com slash podcast. Leave a review on iTunes for me and let me know what you loved about this interview. Make sure you've signed up to be a Black with no Cream member. And last but not least, buy some motherfucking ill-ass Black with no Cream merch. God damn. Every sale helps me keep this alive. Subscribe to Black Window Cream. New episodes every Sunday. See you next week, you bitch!